Thank you for joining us. My name's Tom. I'm the senior pastor here, and uh, we are, <clears throat> I am losing my voice. We are in the middle of uh, our Advent series, which is all about expectations. It's kind of a classic Chris- Christmas. And we're looking at um, how the Old Testament and the promise of Jesus informed um, the image of God that the first century uh, Jewish people would have thought that the Messiah would have provided. And so, you know, we all have stories. Stories that we would share, and especially at, at Christmas time, those things tend to kind of bubble up of traditions or family, uh, you know, stories that we, we bring to the table. You know, we have a lot of kind of corporate uh, traditions of we drag a tree into the house, uh, put lights on it. Um, it used to be candles, which is hilarious. And when you think about that, and uh, or there might be certain movies that you have to watch that you don't watch at any other time of the year, or maybe it's certain food. You know, I know at Thanksgiving it's, uh, you know, we, we were going to eat, eat turkey, and if I, I'm of the mind if turkey was that great, we would eat it the rest of the year. But all of a sudden, you know, everybody just has to have it, or it doesn't count. Uh, we watch certain films or movies that only exist in the month of December, and then they vanish. We pull out songs from the back of the file, you know, that only, we only sing at this time of the year, and then they just go away back, and we'll, we'll visit you again in, in December. And these are a part of our co- kind of collective story that we tell at Christmas time. And we tell this, this story, and it's about, you know, some of those things that we've superimposed on the celebration of Jesus' birth. And in reality, not a lot of it has to do with 2,000 years ago in, in Bethlehem and kind of that moment where we, we see the, the Christ arriving. Because he came in, in an unexpected way. And that's where we're going to be spending our, our time today is... Um, what is real and what is imagined, what are assumptions of who this Jesus ought to be, but we're also going to look at waiting. Because that's what this season is, is about. It's about waiting. And so there are many scriptures in your Old Testament that prophesy about the coming king. And again, these are scriptures that don't necessarily come up the rest of the year, and we just wheel them out, you know, and say, hey, here you go. Um, in the book of Isaiah, there's a familiar one. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne. And over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. It's all about David's throne lasting forever and this child to be born, this wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. 
This is a promise. And we read that, and sorry, I was singing too loud with the kids. We read that, and we have the benefit of being on the other side of the resurrection of Christ. So we read this and we go, oh, that's Jesus. That's, that's the Messiah. That's the, the promised Redeemer. And in reality, when you take a step back and you read this as to the intended audience, you have to wonder for a second, you know, th- this is a promise. And here's the perspective that I, I think a lot of us miss out on because we, don't, we have the benefit of hindsight. This is a promise. This scripture is written 750 years before Jesus is to be born. So imagine 750 years of waiting for this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting father, this prince of peace. And even that, the perspective is hard to imagine. So, you know, the way that I think it's easy for me and maybe it will be for you, if I put myself in this position today, 2023, where were we 750 years ago? In world history, this is Genghis Khan. This is the Crusades to recapture Jerusalem. This is Marco Polo travels to China. That's how long ago it would have taken for this scripture to come to fruition. That is a very long time. You know, when we read this and we see that this, this scripture, and this is what's really cool, is the book of Isaiah actually is uh, the oldest full, complete text that we have from the Old Testament. It's not, it's not the oldest chronologically. It's, it's the oldest in terms of what we have in completion. Chronologically, the oldest thing in your Old Testament is the book of Job. But we have the complete version of this, so our confidence is very high. On these are the words that would have been passed down from generation to generation to generation of, there will be a child. There will be a Messiah. There will be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God. And that's really hard to have been waiting on, especially in the cycle of the Old Testament is oppression, slavery, captivity, you establish a kingdom, there's freedom, then there's sin, and then you forget about God, and then there's oppression, there's captivity, and then you come back and you, that, you can do that with you know, the, the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians. You can see that time and time again, they have this, and then Isaiah is kind of calling out from the wilderness saying, hey, don't, don't worry, there will be a child, this promise. At what year would you give up on that promise? At, you know, let's say year 25 after this is written. You go, I don't, I don't think this is going to happen. At year 100? Year 200, 300, 400? I mean, this is a long, long promise. There's another one in the book of 2 Samuel, chapter 7. This is a promise to David. This is both about his son Solomon, but it's also about the throne that Jesus will inhabit. In 2 Samuel 7, verse 11, 
It says, The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Here's where it turns to Jesus. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. How do you read that scripture when you're in captivity? How much do you believe that scripture when you are being oppressed? Like, really, forever? It's not looking like forever right now when I have a Roman occupying government. Really, my house and my kingdom will be reigning forever and ever? I, I doubt it. Yet then when Jesus is born through the line of David, then what is the expectation of this Messiah that this, this house and this kingdom will endure forever? And now he will overthrow the occupying force. What happens when Jesus doesn't live up to that expectation? He's crucified. What happens when he doesn't perform the way that we want him to perform or to, to be the militaristic leader that we expect him to be? Because over time, over 800 years of building this narrative of when will we finally be free from all of this oppression when will we finally be free from the Egyptians, the Babylonians, the Romans? We need a hero. We need a redeemer. So they're waiting for this rescuer. Yet he never comes in the way that they want. And then Jesus shows up and he does the exact opposite of what they were expecting. I'm going to be reading out of a text today, actually, that I've never preached from uh, because it's not in your Bible. Um, it's not in... Um, it's not in any canon or scripture, but it's from the time frame, first and second century, uh, where they're waiting for this Messiah. And in your Bibles, if you grew, well, here's an example. If you grew up Catholic, so this is going to take a little bit of a setup. If you grew up Catholic, your Bible might have about six extra books in it. Um, those are called apocryphal books. They're usually from what's called the intertestamental period. Those are the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. There's about a 400-year gap. There's some books in there. Uh, if you're a Protestant if you, and you've, never, if you've ever wondered, why don't I see the, story, the Hanukkah story in my Bible? It's because it's in that intertestamental period. And it's in the book of Maccabees if you have a Catholic Bible. There are other books floating around at that time. They're also called apocryphal, um, but they didn't make it into any scripture or text. These are just kind of... Uh, you know, letters and psalms that are floating around at the time. And what they're really good for is context of kind of what's happening on the ground. What are people talking about? Almost like a newspaper clipping. It's not necessarily history or research, but it's like, a, hey, this is what's happening on that day. And so I'm going to be reading from a text called the Psalm of Solomon. And this is not Solomon. It's from the first or second century. And we have fragments of it and pieces of it. And they put it together. And it's, it's helpful for us to, to read to kind of get a, a tenor of what's occurring. And so it starts with, from their leader, 
To the commonest of people, they committed every kind of sin. The king broke the law. The judges disobeyed, and people sinned. Look, O Lord, and raise up for them their king, a son of David, to rule over your servant Israel in the time that you know. O God, undergird him with the strength to destroy the unrighteous rulers, to purge Jerusalem from the Gentiles who trample her down, to destruction in wisdom and in righteousness, to drive out the sinners from the inheritance, to smash the arrogance of the sinners like a potter's jar, to demolish all their resources with an iron rod, to destroy the law-breaking Gentiles with the word of his mouth, to scatter the Gentiles from his own presence at his threat to condemn sinners by their own consciousness. Okay. (laughs) What's a Gentile? Let's start here. A Gentile, then and now, to Jewish people, is there's Jewish people and Gentiles. There's us and them. Everybody that's not Jewish is a Gentile. So that's, so it's very much an us and them, and this is a we're expecting this Savior, this ruler, this Messiah, to purge the Gentiles out of Jerusalem. To make it this homogenous group of Jews that will live in righteousness. And everybody outside of us can just go to hell. Everybody outside of us can just go, we don't care. We're going to have a clean Jew- Jewish state here. And, we're gonna ha- and, we, and this ruler will be so powerful that they will scatter just at a threat. He will have so much strength and a reputation that they will just flee from this area and will finally have us. And there will be a whole lot of them, but we'll have us. So what happens when Jesus Christ shows up and says, it's not just about us? See what's occurring here? What expectation is Jesus totally overthrowing? It's not just about us. I've come not to overthrow Rome. I've come for Roman soldiers' souls too. I've come for everybody. And this is a total flip on not just the boots on the ground here, but also the, the text of, what, wait, what are we doing? Because you're supposed to be this strong, powerful leader, and you're supposed to scatter the Gentiles. You're supposed to overthrow the Roman occupation. Because here's the thing. Rome showed up 60 years before Jesus is born. And King Herod's called the king of the Jews. And they're just mocking the Jewish people. They're overthrowing. They have to ask permission for everything. They don't have control over all of what's going on. And this is just a, it's degrading. So finally, we're going to have this leader, this Messiah is going to arrive and he's going to scatter the Gentile from the presence, from his presence at his threat. So what do you think is happening when they see Jesus walking on water, raising people from the dead? healing the sick and the blind. People are walking that were paralyzed like he's here. He has the power to overthrow. Why isn't he doing it? So maybe he just needs a little nudge. So Judas betrays. Maybe he just needs, you know, he's not going to let himself get murdered. And, and there's no way. He, we know what he is capable of. 
Or maybe, you know, if we just choose Barabbas over Jesus, that'll finally, now, okay, now he's in Jerusalem now. He, he's going to, he's pu- pushing tables over. He is finally going to show up, and he, and he doesn't. And he allows himself to be crucified. Where is this Messiah? Here's what's remarkable. After this, once he is resurrected and he appears to the disciples, Jesus then says to them, go. The apostles are going to be the ones that scatter. And they are going to be the ones that scatter, and they're going to go to Greece, Rome, Asia, Africa, and they're going to take this message to the Gentiles. Not to, like, get rid of them. They're going to try to bring them in. Then that's the total flip of the gospel and the radical narrative of Jesus Christ. And this is why, you know, it is a wild story. And the context of this is he is changing every expectation that they ever had on what this Messiah ought to be. But here's the problem. The Gentiles start getting saved. What do we do with them? Do we make them Jewish? Do we bring them in and like start doing some surgeries and start doing some meals and start doing some things like that? What? And then there's a big meeting in the book, middle of your book of Acts, Acts chapter 15. And the meeting is, what do we do with them? What do we do with all these Gentiles that are getting saved? Jesus said go. None of us really expected that. I mean, but they're getting saved. What do we do? Well, let's bring them in. Jesus said this gospel is for them as well. He said, go into all of the world. That's a big shift. So these apostles will scatter, not to purge the Gentiles, but to rescue the Gentiles. And that's what we're celebrating this season is, you know, what do we... What are we celebrating with Advent? Yes, it's the arrival of the Christ child. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. But it's also the arrival of a totally different mindset. Like I said, the book of Isaiah is the, the longest, is the, has a ton of prophecy in it, but also is our most complete text. When Jesus is early on in his ministry, he you know, is tempted by Satan, he's tried in the wilderness, then he goes home after that to Nazareth. And then Jesus, he returned, this won't be on the screen, that Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, this is Luke chapter 4, and news about him spreads throughout the whole countryside. He was teaching in the synagogues, and everyone praised him. He goes to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, and as was his custom, he stood up to read, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He's going to set the oppressed free, but not in the way they expected. They expected, oh, we're going to set the oppressed free by getting rid of the Romans. He wanted to set the oppressed free by saving their souls. 
The Romans are going to do what the Romans are going to do. After Jesus, in about 40 years, they're going to destroy the temple. They're going to occupy. They're going to continue to hold power. Are the Romans any less powerful after his resurrection? No, they're the same level of power. He wasn't there for that. He was there for the salvation of their souls. And these apostles, and they don't get enough credit, in about five years, they went from you have to be in the law, you have to keep the law, you have to come through the synagogues, you have to okay, you do the right sacrifices. And very, then a little bit later on, there they are eating with Gentiles and sharing stories. That's why it's so scandalous that Jesus is eating meals with Matthew or hanging out with Mary. It's not just a, we have the, see, we have the benefit of 2,000 years in hindsight. In the midst of this, this is, you can't do that. You can't eat with Gentiles. You can't hang out with Mary Magdalene. You can't associate with these people that we want to scatter. Jesus is saying, I'm here for them as much as I'm here for you. And that's what we celebrate this time of year. Is fortunately, he did not meet our expectations. He was born in a small village in a, in a place that many of us wouldn't be able to locate on a map. He was born forgotten, quiet, did not show up with the level of pageantry that you would expect of this militaristic leader of, hey, I'm here and I'm here for the Romans. He showed up in a crazy night. Very quickly, in his weakness, he will have to be sheltered and protected and flee to Egypt and then he will have to return and go through all of the adolescence that we all went through. Then around the age of 30, he'll show up at the banks of the Jordan and, and announce, and the, and the father will say, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And for three years of his life, we have his ministry here. We have the ages 30 to 33, from the baptism to crucifixion is about three years of totally changing all of what we expected. And so I guess the question of the day is, is what expectations are, are we putting on Jesus that we want, like we're, we expect him to behave in this manner? But, but what expectations does Jesus have of us? Are we trying to bend the Messiah to be what I want him to be? Or should we be bending ourselves to be who he wants us to be? That's hard. Because Jesus always agrees with me. You notice that? And he never, you never, know, when you're reading the text, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're reading yourself into the text all the time. And then every now and again, you just get hit by one of these scriptures and you go, oh, I need to check myself here. And it's hard to do without that context of, let's go back to Isaiah 9. A 750-year promise. How patient are you? How many prayers have we given up on after a little while and we say, you know what? God must not want to answer this prayer. I've been praying for a year. It hasn't happened. I'm going to move on. God's answer. 
answer sometimes is just not yet. Not yet. What if there's 750 years of not yet? 750 years, 550 years from Samuel of not yet. Then one night, he says, yes. Let's go back to Isaiah 9, if you wouldn't mind. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty God will accomplish this. It's a 750-year promise. My prayer is that we have the patience to believe the promise and we just hold fast and be obedient and faithful and enjoy waiting on Jesus in this season. Because that's what Advent is. We're awaiting an arrival. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, I'm glad you broke our expectations. That you came for the Roman soldier's souls as well. You came for me, came for all of us. So whosoever would believe in you will have eternal life. So God, this morning, may you meet us in our expectation, and if we need to change that, may you shine a light upon that. I thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your compassion. I thank you for all that you have blessed us with. We pray all of this in your holy name. Amen.